Welcome to The Politocrat. I'm Omar Moore. It is Wednesday, January the 10th, 2024. On this edition of The Politocrat, your taxpayer money wasted by Republicans. Plus, boundaries. Do boundaries even exist anymore? I mean, has the world completely, completely got rid of them? Or is it technology itself? All of that coming up next. Dear listener, welcome to this brand new edition of the Political Daily Podcast. A very good hump day Wednesday to you. Hope you are well on this Wednesday. Hope you are doing well as well. Don't forget, of course, you know this by now. You are a valued and highly valued and respected listener to this podcast. And I appreciate your time. I really do. Your time is valuable and precious. And I look, I thank you for spending a little bit of that time listening to this particular episode of the Politocrat Lady Podcast or whenever you choose to listen or happen to be listening to this January 10th, 2024 edition of it. Well, here we are. It's the second week of the year and it's more of the same on Capitol Hill from Republicans, the House Republicans, who really do not have any agenda but to stay in power and to stop people from voting, and to deny you and I the kinds of things that societies that aren't autocracies are supposed to have are continuing to waste your taxpayer money. I mean, I'll just cut to the chase. I don't think this is any new news for you. The taxpayer money that you spend, that you give away every year, that you pay in taxes, I should say, every year, and of course, we are in tax season now, aren't we? Um... Your taxpayer money is going to pot. And I don't mean the stuff that you smoke or the edibles. I am talking about two investigations that go nowhere. Stupid, meaningful, wasteful investigations. Impeaching President Biden? You actually open up an impeachment investigation into President Joe Biden? Why? Because they can. Why? Because they have power. Why? Because they don't have anything else to do. They've got nothing to run on. You might hear me repeat this later on in this episode. They've got nothing to run on. They have not accomplished a damn thing that is positive for the American public. And yet they claim to speak for you. Never have so few claimed to speak for so many. The Republicans are wasting your time and your money. So stop wasting your vote on them. Stop voting for these people. And I dare say those of you out there listening to this or whomever may be listening to this who actually votes for these people is voting not based upon any knowledge of what they do, but voting for other reasons. The Republicans keep wasting your taxpayer money, so why would you vote for these people who throw away your taxpayer money and put it on things like investigating President Biden, who's not committed any impeachable offenses? who's not committed any high crimes or misdemeanors. That's the definition of what impeachment is under the Constitution. There are no high crimes or misdemeanors that the President Biden has committed. So why the hell are Republicans wasting your taxpayer money doing this nonsense? The same thing that they did when they were in the majority in the House with Benghazi. They did five different investigations on Benghazi and even they admitted eventually all four, excuse me, all five of their investigations showed no wrongdoing by the president at the time, Obama, 
by the Secretary of State at the time, Hillary Clinton, by anyone at the State Department. This was all a waste of your taxpayer money. Billions and billions of dollars of your taxpayer money went to five different investigations that the House Republicans did back then on Benghazi. Three people were killed and the House Republicans spent months and months and months and millions and millions and billions of dollars of your taxpayer money investigating something they knew would not yield anything. And yet they dragged the Secretary of State who was running for president at the time, Hillary Rodden Clinton, into a hearing that lasted nearly 11 hours during her campaign in 2015-16, wasted her time and wasted your money. And they knew that this would not yield anything. You even had Kevin McCarthy a few years ago, that disgrace of a congressperson, admitting on camera that the reason why they dragged Hillary Clinton into that 11-hour hearing back in November of 2015 was to scuttle her bid for the White House. These people are juvenile. These people are juvenile, these Republicans. They are wasting your money. Your taxpayer money is being wasted. And they're doing it again and again. And they're doing it right now again with this nonsense, this impeachment investigation garbage of President Joe Biden, this nonsense, oh, we're going to hold, oh, oh, let's have a hearing to hold uh, Hunter Biden in contempt of Congress for defying a subpoena. And how many damn subpoenas did that piece of garbage in the previous administration, how many of them did he and his cronies and criminal element, how many of those subpoenas did they defy and refuse? They actually wrote letters to Speaker Pelosi at the time and said, we are not going to show up and support. We're not going to show up under your subpoena. There, you can go find the stuff online. On their letterhead, we are not coming. Did Did the Democrats open up House investigations of them? No, they didn't. They didn't. And you may be able to hear the rain falling here in San Francisco, California. And what I don't hear falling is the foolishness of Republicans. That's not falling. That is rising. The foolishness, the cynicism, and the garbage, and the time-wasting, and the money-wasting. This is what the Republicans do, folks. I think you know this by now. This is no longer breaking news to you. When they get into power, they waste money. They throw away money. They deficit spend. They spend what they don't have and they balloon the deficit. They explode the deficit. They waste your taxpayer money on useless, silly, silly, silly investigations that they know are not going to go anywhere. They do this for political theater and to get the rubes who do not inform themselves to vote for them and to say, hey, look, this is what we're doing on behalf of you. We're taking it to these Democrats. Meanwhile, we're taking away your health care. Meanwhile, we're taking away your ability to choose what you want to do of your body. Meanwhile, we're taking away your benefits. It's absolutely ridiculous. This party does not function. It's not a political party. It's a wholly owned fascist corporation that is a political party, in quotes. And that's the Republicans. They lower taxes for the rich. They don't lower your taxes. And these people have got investigations. They want to impeach the Homeland Secretary, Mayorkas. This is what they're doing with your taxpayer money, dear listener. They are wasting it. 
Oh, we're going to impeach him. They had a hearing on that today. Oh, we're going to hear, we're going to impeach him. Let's have a hearing to impeach Alejandro Mayorkas, the Homeland Security Secretary. It's absolutely ridiculous. What a waste of your taxpayer money. This, these investigations are not cheap, dear listener. These investigations cost millions of dollars. Bringing witnesses in, flying them in, paying them, whatever you, whatever, all these things, all, copying all these records, this stuff costs money. And it's your taxpayer money. It's not these House Republicans who are taking this out of their pocket and spending on it. They're not doing that. If they had to take it out of their own salaries and their own pockets, I guarantee you there'd be less of these frivolous investigations. But as it stands, dear listener, it's you that they are wasting the money of, your money. Don't allow them to keep doing this the way you prevent them from doing this is to stop voting for them. They're not doing anything productive. 27 bills passed in 2023 under their leadership. That's almost, that suggests eight more bills or 12 more bills than the 15 votes that it took to get a freaking speaker. Remember that a year ago. 15 votes. I keep talking about this. These people don't want to govern. They don't want to do anything but just hold a gavel and stay in power and deny you and I the things that are important in our lives, deny our families the things that are important in our lives and deny the country the things that it needs to go forward. It's a waste of your time. Stop voting for these people. These folks are a disaster. You need to vote for Democrats. Democrats do care about the country and the society in which you and I live. They've passed bill after bill after bill that shows that. the Biden administration, 2.7 million jobs were created just last year, more than any year under the previous administration. That is a total of 14.3 million jobs created under President Joe Biden. My colleagues would have you forget that starting this month, more Americans with diabetes will finally, finally see sharp decreases in insulin prices. Thanks to President Biden's Inflation Reduction Act, people on Medicare now pay no more than $35 a month for insulin prescriptions. That is money in people's pockets at home. And these efforts put pressure on drug makers to lower their prices for people not on Medicare as well. House Democrats also passed and President Biden signed into law making historic investments to lower prescription drug prices. We extended health care coverage to millions, health care that Republicans are just trying to take away, acted on climate change, spurred American chips manufacturing, all while creating millions of jobs. And finally, finally starting to ensure that the wealthy pay their fair share in taxes. And that's not to mention that we as House Democrats used our gavels to pass the Women's Health Protection Act to protect the right to decide whether or not to have an abortion. We passed landmark legislation to protect voting rights, to protect the civil rights of LGBTQ Americans, common sense gun safety reforms, legislation to provide a roadmap to citizenship to dreamers and farm workers, bills that provided an increase to the federal minimum wage and protecting the right to collective bargaining, all with the slim margins that Republicans now blame for gridlock. What we did the last two Congresses is what real leadership looks like. We didn't waste months of staff time and taxpayer resources chasing empty investigations to score cheap political points. Reject this bad faith resolution and let's focus on things that actually deliver for the American people. I yield back. Exactly, they are. The Republicans are a dirty old man. And of course, we know that the piece of garbage who's been indicted on 91 different counts is also obscene and a 
mean old man and a dirty old man. And so that is what the American public has to come to a conclusion about this November, dear listener. Welcome back to the Politocrat Daily Podcast. Omar Moore here, yours truly. And in the previous segment, I talked about this ridiculous um, hearing that was held today on Capitol Hill to, oh, impeach Hunter Biden and all this kind of nonsense or put him under, under contempt of Congress. And the fact of the matter is, this should not be a very difficult decision this November about who you would like to run the United States government, who you would like to run the country. I don't think that this is a close call at all. As Premier Jarpal said, the representative out of Washington, in the clip I played earlier, the Republicans don't have anything to run on. They've not done anything for the benefit of the American public. They really haven't. As I said in an episode last week, dear listener, the Republican-led House of Representatives passed a grand total of 23 bills. I believe it was 23 or 27. doesn't matter. Either one of them. It's a low number. 23 bills? The whole of 2023? Maybe 27 bills the entire year? And that's what you call working for the American people? That is lazy. Profoundly lazy. The do-nothing Republicans. It's Democrats who have passed all of these things with their help. They're the ones that got insulin cut. They're the ones that did all of these things over the last three years. I don't think it's a very difficult decision. I really don't, dear listener. 14.3 million jobs under this Biden-Harris administration over three years, don't forget, over Clinton's eight years. And I granted, I get it, times have changed and it was 30 years ago. But, uh, you know, I mean, less than that, when you really look at when the fact is Clinton's term ended in early 2001. But you really think about this, dear listener. In Bill Clinton's eight years, it was 23 million jobs. In Joe Biden's first three years of his first term, it's 14.3 million jobs. And 2.7 million jobs last year alone. No president has ever done that in a single calendar year. At least certainly not the the so-called president who came in before Joe Biden. That I, I can definitely amend the statement to say that because that's the truth. So what do you think, dear listener, is accounting for some of the fear and anxiety that you or the country at large here in the U.S. may have around November 2024 and the presidential election that will be taking place then? Where Do you think the fear may be coming from for you? If you are someone who is concerned and worried, where do you think the concern is coming from? I mean, this is not a silly question. Because really, from the vantage point from where I am, sitting, standing, looking, listening from, I have a lot of freaking confidence in the American public. And don't laugh, don't laugh. I think the U.S. public is going to do the right thing this November and they're going to re-elect President Biden and Vice President Harris. You do know, by the way, you do know that the vice president gets elected as well in the Electoral College. You do know that, I hope. They will both be re-elected. That is my guarantee to you here in January of 2024. 
I've been saying this now on and off on this podcast for more than a year. And I am confident that I will be correct. I predicted the last two U.S. presidential elections correctly. And I intend to be on target again this coming November. Now, if I'm not, I will be here to tell you that I didn't get it right. But so confident am I about November 2024. I'm willing to go to Vegas to put some money on this. I'm willing to. I don't say I would, but I am willing to, dear listener. But enough about what I'm willing to do. <laughs> what about you? What about you? Where do you think the fear is coming from? If you are concerned about this November, I don't think that's a bad thing. Because hopefully you will be telling people, whether you're concerned or not, quite frankly, about November. Hopefully you'll be telling people that you know to get out there and vote. To make sure that you are registered. To make sure that they are registered. Hopefully you'll be telling your family members to make sure that they are registered and they get out there and vote. Hopefully you will be devising plans for November well ahead in advance about whom you're going to be driving to the polls if you have a car to drive and, or someone you know has one, how that's going to be orchestrated. Because there are states that want to make it, that are making it Republican states, making it very difficult for people to vote. Older people, black people, Latinos, Native Americans, young people. White men, not so much. Not so much. The rich, not so much. Poor people, absolutely they are being stifled in their attempts to vote. Because the Republicans know damn well that the groups I've just mentioned who are being stymied and stifled in their efforts to vote are not going to vote for them. Now that doesn't justify them cheating and stealing votes and suppressing voters and closing down voting lines and closing down the amount of time you can vote in shutting down early voting, stealing or taking away drop boxes from campuses and elsewhere in black and brown areas and in areas of universities where young people are more likely to vote for Democrats. You know, none of that is justified. The Republicans cheat. They want power. They've got nothing for you. So why would there be a concern? I'm not trying to be naive, dear listener. Why would there be a, a concern on your part? about this November. And I'm kind of going to answer that question, at least from the perspective from which I sit, stand, listen, hear, and watch. I think it's the media. Oh, I know. You could guess that that's where I was going. I do believe that the corporate news media in this country is a major part of the anxiety that you are having about November. Because what they do is throw polls at you, they throw polls at you, they throw polls at you, they throw pundits at you, they throw all kinds of things at you. They throw news articles at you. Oh, if he gets in, he's going to shut down this. He's not going to have an FBI. He's not going to have a Justice Department. Do you want to vote for him? Do you want to vote for him? <laughs> the New York Times has done that for the last three years. What's he going to do if he gets in? Are you going to vote? Do you want to? Do you want to try it? Are you curious? Are you? Cu I mean, that's the drumbeat, the undertone and overtone of the coverage in Places like the Washington Post, places like the New York Times, places like the Atlantic. I could go on and on and on about stories in these publications and others in the corporate mainstream that have been floating all this stuff. And at the same time, have been writing hit pieces on Vice President Harris. Each of these publications have done that. One or more of their writers and reporters have been writing hit pieces on Vice President Harris. The Atlantic's done so. The New York Times has done so with Brio. 
And the Washington Post has done so, among others. So when you get those two things together, the championing by fiat or the championing by implication, subtlety, sublimination, the subliminals of a fascist and dictator and criminal and racist and sexist and credibly accused sexual assaulter. You couple that with the demonization of a black woman who is vice president of the United States and that tells you where the corporate news media is. It tells you who they are serving and it tells you who they want to win and it tells you to not trust your own eyes and ears and evidence around you that the jobs market's improving. Maybe you may not be feeling that particularly personally, dear listener, but is that how you vote? Do you vote based on how well you're doing or are you voting based on how well the country is doing or how well you would like the country to do? Because you've got lots of people who don't vote like that. You've got lots of people who vote according to what's good for me and me alone. I'm the only one living in the country. So if my taxes didn't go down and if I don't have a good enough job, screw the lot of you. I'm not voting for the people who have put 14.3 million new jobs out there the last three years. I'm voting for the other folks who've done nothing because I don't have anything. And that's the drumbeat of a sizable, in my estimation, number of people in the country. So maybe I've answered my question in the opposite way. Maybe that's what's causing anxiety for you, if this applies to you. Maybe that's it. Maybe, just maybe, that is the concern. You're worried about the fact that voting has been suppressed and these Republicans are going to do their dirty deeds and they've passed laws all over the country. Yes, 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 these are things to be concerned about. But I think the two most important things that you and I need to do, A, is to register to vote and vote. Obviously, that's one and the same, I guess, one plus one. And also, two, to educate and organize. That's kind of two additional things. Educate and organize. Educate people that you know in your family circle or your friend circle who may not be aware of what's going on, may not be aware of how to vote. I think it's so important. Voting is critical. And if you vote for Biden and Harris this year, and of course you've got to vote down ballot as well. You don't just vote for the top of the ticket. You vote for every single race in the ballot that you have in your state. Of course you do. You don't just vote for one thing. See, that's the thing. You can't just pick. I mean, you can do anything damn well you want, right? But you can't just pick and choose on a ballot what you're going to vote for and what you're going to leave out. You have the whole enchilada in front of you. Take it. Vote for everything on that ballot. Vote in every race that's on your ballot. This is not an a la carte menu. A voting ballot is not an a la carte menu. You don't just pick and choose. Well, I want this, I want this. You vote for every particular race on there. You vote in every single one of them. And I do think it reveals something about us as voters. If some of us choose to leave stuff blank, leave some of these races blank. It tells me, at least, something about the education of us as voters. And so we need some voter literacy. We need to start to educate each other and educate people about literacy, literacy in voting. And that's not a demeaning thing. That's not a looking down your nose thing. This is about how we become more efficient, cohesive, and strategic voters. You don't just vote for the top of the ticket. You don't just vote for president and vice president. You vote for each race in each race down the entire ballot. That's local, state, municipal, 
and of course federal. You vote for all of them. You vote in all of those races. You don't leave things out. You don't leave things out. If you truly believe in what the United States is supposed to be, then that means you believe in free and fair elections. That be- that means you believe in the ability to vote. The ability to vote. To have everyone who is registered to vote be able to vote. If you believe in some kind of fascist, autocratic society or country, then that means you don't believe in the ability to vote. That means you don't believe in the ability to get registered to vote. And that means you don't believe in freedom at all. You believe in kowtowing to a dictator. An authoritarian, a totalitarian. That's who you believe in. And you probably believe in that because you've got no good feeling about who you are as a person. So your heart becomes harder and colder and your heart becomes stone. Stone cold. Stone cold. I think it's very clear what the choice is and it's very clear who you need to vote for. And I remain confident that come November of 2024, the American public will do the right thing and reelect President Joe Biden and Vice President Kamala Harris. Now make sure you get registered to vote and make sure you vote and spread the word to all those you know. The following audio contains graphic descriptions. Listener discretion is advised. Together on the 8s on All News 106.9 and AM 740 KCBS. Still to come on KCBS, a murder streamed live on Facebook from San Rafael. Your Wednesday morning news watch continues. A San Rafael woman has been arrested after police say she streamed a knife attack on her mother to Facebook Live. KCBS's Megan Goldsby has the story. On Monday evening, police got a flood of calls leading them to a Tara Linda apartment. We received both eyewitness accounts and uh, calls regarding what people were seeing on the Facebook Live, all pretty much at the same time within I would say minutes to seconds of each other. And when they got into the apartment, says San Rafael Police Sergeant Justin Graham, they found 28-year-old Tanatsin Oris Beltran on the back balcony, standing over her mother, holding a knife and covered in blood. She was arrested. Her 55-year-old mother did not survive. We are working with Facebook Meta, uh, who was able to take the video down from public view. Uh, We will be reviewing that video Uh, along with uh, reviewing other facts, evidence, and eyewitness accounts of what happened. Including a video that he says Beltran posted of herself at the Santa Rosa police station on the same day. Megan Goldsby, KCBS. Boundaries. You just heard that report from KCBS radio here in San Francisco, California. A report that aired on Wednesday, January 10th, 2024. A murder streamed live on a social media platform, in this case, Facebook. Now, this is not the first time that a murder has been streamed live on Facebook. It's happened a number of times. One of the ones I remember was of a man killing a woman. It was a domestic violence situation. And it happened in Florida several years ago. Then there are others. And it's heinous. These crimes that get committed are heinous. The killing of women, the killing of any person. It's heinous, it's disgusting, it's evil. And of course, there needs to be an appropriate judicial system response to this. And of course, I'm sure some would agree 
there needs to be some help sought for those persons who commit these kinds of crimes as well. They need to serve prison time and they also need to get their lives back in gear and get the treatments that I think some of the people who commit these crimes, or if not all of them, need. The reason I'm talking about this, dear listener, and thank you again for abiding with me here on this edition of the Politocrat Daily Podcast, is the exhibitionist culture that we have now, aided and abetted by technology, aided and abetted by social media, aided and abetted by the society of the spectacle, which is something that the French author Guy Debord wrote about many years ago now, back in the 1960s, early 1970s, The Society of the Spectacle, a book that I highly recommended to you. And it's a book I've read excerpts from as well. I've spoken about before on this very podcast, The Society of the Spectacle. To what length will you or someone out there go to? To what lengths would you go to get attention? I think that the murder of this particular person that was just talked about on the broadcast there from that radio station is absolutely reprehensible. All murders are. And if you're talking about self-defense, that's another story. In terms of what happened here, someone, and I do have to say allegedly because it's not yet been proven in a court of law, dear listener, someone who allegedly killed their own mother It becomes unspeakable, even though I just uttered the words. It's, it's unspeakable. To live stream that as well, to live stream You've done the most evil thing you could ever do, which is to kill your own mother, allegedly. And then to add to that, you've now put this live on social media, Facebook, for the entire world to see. You had this happen with YouTube, and I've gone on about these things, where the white male in Christchurch, New Zealand, who killed at least 50 people, live-streamed that whole mass slaughter on YouTube. And the whole point of why I'm talking about this is as follows. Where are the boundaries anymore in society? Do we have any? And if you think we do have boundaries, where are they? Where are the boundaries in this country, in this world, on this planet? Where are the boundaries anymore when it comes to your privacy, when it comes to your sense of safety and comfort? Where are the boundaries? I know the answer's going to be thrown at me and it's going to be, well, we don't have privacy anymore. We don't have boundaries anymore. Well, maybe we don't have privacy anymore. I think we have an expectation of privacy, though. If you are in your shower or you are having a bath, you expect privacy there. You have a very strong expectation of privacy, that there isn't going to be some freaking camera somewhere spying on you. Now, we've seen situations, and I've heard news stories, dear listener, of... People in changing rooms in department stores who've actually had the displeasure of being spied upon as they're changing. And it's usually in female dressing rooms. And there was a story, I forget which state it was in here in the United States, where the owner of the business, a man, why am I not surprised at the depravity of men? 
stuck a camera, some a hidden camera in a wall somewhere and spied on the women who would change out of their clothes into clothes that they were thinking of buying in the changing room. So this particular person, this man, cretin, garbage, would get a complete view of a woman taking her clothes off. And I believe there's been uh, an arrest and so on and so forth, or there's going to be civil suits and whatnot as well, as there should be. But where are the boundaries anymore? Social media, people using social media to live stream the killing of someone. Where are the boundaries anymore? And if there are none, and I would argue that there are none now, what does that reveal about us? What does it reveal about us? I think it reveals, dear listen, that we are a society without a value system. And if there is a value system, it's all about spectacle. It's all about seeing everything and leaving nothing to the imagination whatsoever. Once upon a time, there was actually something called imagination. And I'm not talking about the pop group from England. I'm talking about the word imagination. Thinking. Conceiving. Creating. I mean, those things do still exist. Don't get me wrong. But what is so deeply troubling, at least in my way of thinking, dear listener, is that technology and social media are taking away imagination, yours and mine. It's not that imagination does not exist independently of social media. Oh, it certainly does. The point I am making to you is that when you're on social media or when you're engaging in posting things, engaging in online activity, there is a doth of imagination, D-E-A-R-T-H. There is a doth, a lack of imagination. And I think that social media in part and technology in large part because of its instantaneous abilities to make things so instant, instantaneous, instantaneous, da, 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 da. Do it now, quickly. Charge that phone up in three minutes instead of 30. Do it now, 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 now. AI, now, 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 now. There's a lack of imagination. There's a lack of thought process. There's a lack of problem solving. Everything is instant. And I think that that also in turn makes us less intelligent people, less explorative people. And less articulate people. To the point in which you have people on this planet. And I've talked about the mental illness implications. But to the point that we have people on the planet in which we live, you and I, who cannot articulate themselves. And they are so poor at articulation of themselves that they decide that the best way to get their message across the best way to articulate themselves is to live stream themselves killing another human being. I do believe that people, not everyone of course, but a sizable number of people on this planet do not articulate themselves well. And I'm not saying that they can't speak. I'm not saying that they don't speak and explain things. But there are lots of people who don't articulate themselves. They don't say, excuse me. They squeeze through a narrow, narrow space between you and a wall. And instead, and this is usually white people who do this, in my experience, as a black person, as a human being, as a black human being, 
You have these folks, they will squeeze through the narrowest space between you and a wall. And instead of saying two words, excuse me, not the other two words, but excuse me. Instead of saying those two words, excuse me, they will just squeeze past you and make contact with you rather than say to you, excuse me. That is an inarticulate person. And it's also, that's also a damn rude person as well. That's obvious. And there's such different levels of articulate, of inarticulation. You can go from something like that, that's rude and antisocial, to something like what I've talked about and what that report on KCBS radio that you heard earlier talks about. Very rude, very antisocial, and highly inarticulate. And that is not me trying to be funny. Killing someone is a very inarticulate thing to do, among other things. It's a very antisocial thing to do. In this society, it is completely consistent with the values of it, though. We have so many gun violence deaths in this country. We have more people between the ages of what? 15 and 31 who are killed by guns every year than anything else. That's the highest rate of death for people who are what? 15 to 31 or 15 to 23 or whatever the number is, 18 to 25. Any killing to me is an inarticulate expression. You have no other resort now. You've gone to the position that you can't speak anymore. You can't express yourself in any other way but one than one that is violent. We don't have boundaries anymore. You've got guns all over the place. You've got Republicans who allow guns all over the place. You've got the NRA that shows you it has no value system except money. You've got the weapons manufacturers who feel the same way. And you've got your corporate news media talking about a fascist and violent human being who is a traitor to the country and who has aided and abetted traitors and terrorists. And that person's being championed every day on the air. Where are the boundaries anymore? There is no journalism in the corporate news media anymore. I mean, there's always obviously an occasional few who actually do a good job. But the whole culture, the whole mechanical culture, the underpinning of where we are now is a state of a society that doesn't give a damn about your own bodily autonomy, Roe versus Wade being overturned in 2022. Yes, it's been almost two years now. And you've got some states that have no abortion clinic whatsoever in them. And if you're poor, as most of the women who have abortions are, what the hell do you do? There are no boundaries anymore. None. We don't have any off switch. We have no boundaries. And I would like to know if we will ever get boundaries back. Do you think we will, dear listener? What a state of disrepair. I think we just have to renew our commitment to values and ask ourselves, what are our values? I'm not even talking about asking the country or asking the world what its values are. I'm asking you and I to consider that. Have your values been challenged? Have your ideas about the way the world works and the way the world works according to you? Have those ideas been challenged in any way? And if they have been, have you gone one way or another in accordance with that challenge? Or have you stayed where you are? What do you value? I've talked about this before. I've asked this question many times, dear listener. What do you value? Love, peace, good health, do unto others, the golden rule. What do you value? 
Do you value an informed populace or a dumbed down populace? Because we are living in an idiocracy right now. And the media plays this too. They play to this kind of nonsense. Do you value critical thinking or do you value book banning? Values. What do you value? Do you value having some privacy and bodily autonomy or do you value blah, everything thrown out there in front of you to see and leave nothing to the imagination? Is that what you value? Social media shows you that stuff. Nothing to the imagination anymore. Nothing. Nothing, 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 nothing. Nothing whatsoever left to the imagination. And that becomes a very boring world of dead-end souls. And I think that's where we are right now. My only question is, is it too late to put the genie back in the bottle? Don't forget to follow on X at the popcorn R-E-E-L and numerous other social media platforms and subscribe to this podcast, Apple, Spotify, Google, Pandora, Audible, Odyssey, Amazon. I could go on, but I won't. And of course, the YouTube channel for this podcast, youtube.com forward slash at sign. Politocrat P-O-D. Subscribe there, won't you please? There'll be some videos, new videos, coming soon. Thank you very much for listening to this edition of The Politocrat. I'm Omar Moore.